Welcome to Central Line, the AHA podcast. This is the official podcast of the American Animal Hospital Association, dedicated to simplifying the journey towards excellence in veterinary medicine for every member of the veterinary team. Here's your host, Dr. Katie Berlin. Hi, welcome back to Central Line. I'm your host, Dr. Katie Berlin, and we have a guest today that I have had on my list to hopefully get on this podcast since the very first day we had it up. Dr. Mary Gardner, welcome to Central Line. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And um, Dr. Mary is here because, well, she's here because she's awesome, but uh, the timing of it is happening because we have our senior care guidelines coming out um, yes. here at AHA in January, so right after the new year. And we are, uh, and Mary, you were on the task force. I was. It was really cool to be a part of that. It's such a passion of mine as senior pets. And so when they asked me, I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, we were we were very honored to have you as a part of that process and um, definitely are, are really excited for these guidelines to come out. So lots more to come on that. But before we get going, in case there is a person listening who doesn't know who you are, would you mind just giving us a little bit of background about who you are and what you do? So a lot of people don't know who I am. So <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I am a, a companion animal veterinarian, but exclusively does um, end-of-life care hospice. And so I'm co-founder of a company called Lap of Love. And uh, we have veterinarians all across the United States helping families with end-of-life care. So it's been um, since 2010 that I've dedicated my life to the, to the weak and the wobbly, the skinny and the stinky, <laughs> and the families that love them. I love that. And I have had personal experience with Lap of Love coming to my house to yeah. help me say goodbye to my old lady, Kitty, earlier this year. And um, oh. they were just, yeah, I mean, you guys are just fantastic. Oh, um, I'm so glad to hear that, that we could help you because it's no place better than at home. Yeah, absolutely. And um, before I forget, I also have my co-host here today, <laughs> Franklin, who um, looks a little out of it as usual. And he is, you know, in Chihuahua years, 900 years old. Love um, it. But he has like 100 more to, to go, totally. I'm hoping. So um, one day, 100 years from now, um, I'm sure that's the way that we'll, we'll go to. He's my the love of my life. Um, <laughs> that's and awesome. That's one reason why I'm so excited about today's topic, because seniors are my absolute favorite. Like, I cannot... I, every time there's a post on Facebook or Instagram, you know, the gray muzzle, I'm like, Ooh, and I have I to know. share it, you know, and, and it, there's just nothing that touches the heart, like a senior pet. Totally. And, yeah. So Couldn't I know there's, more. there's no one that gets that more than you do. Um, <laughs> so before we jump in, I have one personal question to ask you okay? because, um, you know, you have been involved in lap of love. You talk, you speak a lot on the the veterinary speaking circuit, I've heard you on a lot of podcasts, but what is one thing that people would not guess about you, Dr. Mary? Okay. So, oh gosh. Um, so I think one thing just maybe more recently, if, if somebody hasn't met me in person, because I do a lot of virtual uh, lectures, especially since you know the pandemic, we've all been turned into virtual. So when they see me in person for the first time, they don't ever realize how big I am. And <laughs> You I'm are actually, quite tall. <laughs> right. I'm so I'm six one. So I know it's not very exciting. But so many I I hear that all the time. Like, oh, I never realized how, how tall you were in, in you know, in video world that you just don't get 
spatial awareness. So I think that's the big thing is people never expect me to be this big. <laughs> that's true. You are very tall and I am not tall at all. And I so I tend to think that everybody is like close to my height. And I do you so do you think like when you meet people virtually, do you think that they're all tall until you meet them? Or are you just used to being tall? I think and, I'm just used to being tall and everybody's, you know, on average. Yeah. And it was, it's just better because in, in the past they would just say, Oh, how's the weather up there? Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. Oh, how it's tall the first are you? Time I've heard just that. Like, I never thought you were that tall. So <laughs> <laughs> now you're used to it. <laughs> now I'm used to it. Yeah. So not that that's super exciting. So I, I was pretty no, benign, I, but a true the, thing. You know, that is a really um, very specific phenomenon at this point in time, because like I had a whole job with Clinician's Brief. I loved that job. And I never met that team in person the whole time oh. that I was working there. And so I had no idea like how tall my boss was or what kind of shoes right. she wore, you know, oh, or like, well, flats for me, because I'm already up there. But yeah. <laughs> we, just had our, we just had our holiday party for Lap of Love. And I have, we've barely met some of our vets and some of yeah. our vets flew in for it and, and our care coordinators. And all of them are like, oh, because they see me on not only on videos, but we have a lot of training in, you know, in our training uh, protocols. And in the videos, you can't tell how tall I am either. So then everyone's like, it's amazing. It's definitely helpful in uh, concerts. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but not for and the person behind you. <laughs> not for the person behind No. And, and getting stuff off the top shelf. <laughs> yeah. And I would imagine in home, you know, euthanasia, you have to lift yeah, a fair listen, bit. It's actually physics is in my favor. Yeah. And I, I can lift, I can, I'm pretty strong. So I can lift a, a like 150 pound dog, like the, you know, one half of it. But the thing with the thing with me is when you're going down stairs with another with a pet on a stretcher, the tall person should always be on the downside. Yes, because <laughs> if you're on the upside, then it just it's a good sliding tip. happens. Yeah, it's a, it's a good tip. <laughs> Stuff you don't think about when you think no. about that process. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, so now we know you're tall, <laughs> and we know you love the gray muzzles and creaky kitties, and mm. that is why we're here. Yes. So why why are you so excited about these senior care guidelines? Like what what guides you when you think about um, what you do for a living? Oh my gosh. I, what 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 I think is the most impactful for me with what I do is everybody thinks I'm so sad, uh, Katie. So they're, they say, oh, you, you know, you and your veterinarians, you euthanize three pets a day. Like, doesn't that get on your emotional toe? And yes, we we cry. I'm, I get sad with the families for sure. But what really makes me sad is that so many families have not been to their veterinarian in the in the in years before they say goodbye. And it's nearly 50% of families have not and that's not lap of love, that's all across the country. I looked at almost a million pets that were euthanized and almost half have not been to their doctor a year before they pass. And so I I think we could do so much to get them into the clinic mm-hmm. and when they are into the clinic uh care for them the way they need to with such individualized care. And so these guidelines is a great start and foundation to build a better senior program. Yeah, love that. And one of the things I love the most about these guidelines, um, which everybody uh, who's listening and watching will have access to them by the time this comes out. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're not your sort of stereotypical like list of recommendations. You know, they really look holistically at how to treat senior pets better, how to make your practice more inviting to senior mm-hmm. pets and their families. And, um, and I, I, as I'm listening to you, you said, you know, people think you're so sad. And 
I feel like there's a joy that you bring to the posts that you make about what you do mm-hmm. to the energy of lap of love that just um, really celebrates who these pets are and what their oh. stories are that they have yes. with their family. Because every Thank senior you. pet comes with a story, right? With with massive stories. Yeah. Know, hundreds of stories because they've yeah. been with us for so long. And and they're just such an integral part to, to a family. They've been through you know, divorces, births, bankruptcies, depression, happiness, like so many things. Yeah. And, uh, and they're just, I just absolutely adore the, the, them, the families and the stories that they bring. And so when I go help a family say goodbye, you know, I'm there for an hour. We're just chatting. It's, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. I can totally see how that would change the whole process, not just for the family, but for the vet team also. Yeah. Um, because thinking about it in practice, like the saddest part of euthanasias for me, when I think about it now, or the hardest part, I should say, because it's always hard to, to watch people say goodbye to somebody they love so much, but it's, it's having to switch tracks so quickly. You know, mm-hmm. it's that you have this appointment in one room where they're saying goodbye to a pet that's been with them for 14 years or whatever and like watch their kids grow up. And then in the next room, you have to go in and convince somebody to like run a fecal, you know, <laughs> or, you know, play with a right. puppy, which is lovely in the circle of life and you love puppy appointments, but it's so hard to switch that toggle switch in your brain. Mm. And part of that, I think, is because I want to know more about that story. I want to sit there and listen to them. And that's one thing I loved when, you know, when you guys came to my house is just sitting and talking about my sassy old lady cat who, you know, (laughs) would just as soon punch most people as look at them. I just loved her so much. Um, so, So this story, you know, whether you're in a building, seeing mm. 20 appointments a day or, you know, going to people's houses and doing three euthanasias a day. How can we use that storytelling more in our care for these senior pets? Like, how can we leverage that and make it a beautiful part of the process? Yeah. Well, I think what's what's helpful is using stories for, the, for future pet owners too, mm. because mm-hmm. So many think that they're alone. They're on an island. They might have other family or friends telling them, well, it's just a dog or it's just a cat. And they don't know why they're getting so upset. And so before we even ever have to say goodbye, sharing stories of other family members that have gone through similar things, whether it's having a, an incontinent cat, an old incontinent cat or a, a, a mobility dog or something like that, or, you know, how do you help children get kind of ready for the, for the passing? So yeah. I think stories of other people, not just myself, because I don't want to ever just, well, well, this is what happened to my Doberman. But <laughs> yeah. and having that on on the website and content and things like that. So when people are searching and just digesting all the information that they're going to be getting to see what others have gone through and and bring a smile to their face, seeing old pictures and videos and things like that. And in uh, you know, I, I wrote I wrote two books this year and so so many stories of the families I've helped are just intertwined in them because they can be very impactful to another family going through the same thing. But it's, I think it's helpful also to hear the family stories. So that way it isn't just another number. It isn't number three for the day, right? Like when I go into a home, it doesn't, I've gone in a six a day and it's not just number six. It is completely new. I reset. This is, this is the only thing that that family is going through that day. Yeah. Right. So it might be six for me and I might have just been an hour of traffic, but that's the most important appointment they'll have. And so I want to be able to just to sit and listen. It's also 
important to to enjoy the silence too mm. and be okay in the silence. And I think a lot of us freak out when we're in a, a emotionally tense moment that we want to always talk. And I think if the family's ready to share, I'm totally open to it, but if they also want to be quiet. That's okay too. But in yeah. a clinic, you've had years of their stories, which is great. And yeah. I think it's so nice Hopefully, to say, yeah. hey, you know what? Every time Norrin came in, I loved it, you know, because he would always, you know, give me, give me big kisses on my face when I was trying to clip his nails. And so for me as a pet owner, if I heard that about my pet, like that, that the technician remembered something small, like that my pet is a part of their memory, like that, that would make me feel so good. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, you were talking about euthanasia because um, obviously Lab of Love, I would assume that most of the appointments that you see are for our end of life. But, yes. um, you know, we're also thinking about all of that time that leads up to that day um, mm-hmm. when you're caring for a senior pet. And for those of us who work in clinics, it is a real privilege to be able to build those relationships. Stories come into that even during, right? Like, right taking that time to get to know how those pets live at home with their people. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and that's a huge thing. And, and we talk a lot about this in the guidelines, just it needs to be individualized care yeah. and what the family can handle because yeah. what, what is quote gold standard in medicine? I mean, it, it's not just linear. It's not just about medicine. It's about care and caregiving and caregiver burden and what they can manage in the house and how their house is set up. Like, it's 90% environment and, and emotions yeah. and 10% is the medicine. And if we just hyper-focus on the medicine, we're going to miss a big part of, of that caring process. Yeah, that's a great point that knowing, taking the time to listen to those stories, even if it's busy, even if you have, you know, another appointment waiting, giving them that space to sort of tell you what their life is like will really help you know what recommendations are going to stick and which ones are just not appropriate. You no, you can't, you can't suggest rehab, right? If they, if they can't manage and they've got other things dealing, you know, that they've got going on, or Mm -hmm. I always say, you have to ask them what's important to you about your care and what's important to you about the, or what's the, what's the two biggest struggles that you have? Cause us as vets, we may be thinking of these two problems. It might be incontinence and, and the horrible teeth that the pet has. But if they're, if they say every night, my cat is howling at two o'clock because of cognitive dysfunction. Right. And it's just yeah. at two o'clock. You better try to help that before you try to fix the other things that it's not on their list of priorities. So yeah. I think that's really important is to find out what their priorities are because when you're caring for a senior pet, it is so different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love how you, I've, you wrote an article for trends recently um, for trends magazine, where you talked about the different burdens that pet owners have mm. um, when they're taking care of senior pets and financial is only a, a piece of that puzzle. And with so many yeah. of the appointments we think it's about money, but it may have nothing to do with money. It Right. So you could be maybe even if it's $200 or something like that a, a month or $50, we're, we're so, we, we think that's the only struggle. It's the only speed bump along the care, but it's not, it's, there's, there, I always say there are four. So the financial is one of them. The next is time. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of time. And I did a study and I, it's about on average three hours a day that somebody's going to care for their senior pet. And that is making their meds, you know, or getting their meds together, you know, getting their food ready, cleaning up after them, going for a slower walk, coming back from work early, coming 
to work in the middle of the day or from, you know, home from work from the middle of the day. If you give medications, you know, we, we, we often give medications twice a day, especially pain management, but, but really they need it three to four times a day. And, but the owners can't give it because they're not home for that. Right. right. So there's a time one, there's a physical budget. And we all think about, Oh, a big, a big, uh, you know, Labrador. And can this person move the, you know, help the dog with mobility issues? We always talk about the big dogs and, you know, me as a, as a big, tall girl, I can lift those big dogs. But even I, I had one woman, she felt so bad because she couldn't handle her own Sheltie. She couldn't lift her Sheltie up to bring down the stairs. And if you were a little judgy for the day, you, you would think it's a 20 pound dog. How can you not lift your 20 pound dog and get them down the stairs? And then she shared with me, and she didn't have to, but she said, I have rheumatoid arthritis, and I can't lift my dog. And it just changed everything, because now how I'm going to – what I'm going to recommend is very different for that pet parent that can't handle that. And uh, and then lastly is the emotional emotional budget. So are they – able to handle the care? Are they able to handle what's, um, you know, the grief that's about to come? And that goes both ways. So it's, it's sometimes people need to say goodbye sooner than later, because they can't handle it for whatever the reasons may be. Maybe Mm -hmm. they felt they waited too long last time. Maybe they've got 99 problems going on. Yeah. And an incontinent dog also is going to just break them. Yeah. And, and if anybody's had issues with their dogs or cats, they get it, right? So, um, or maybe they're holding on because it's the last living link to a family member that they've lost and they, and they can't bear to say goodbye. And we're very quick to, to judge and say, oh, like, I wish they would just euthanize this cat. It's horrible. I had this one gentleman, he called us and his, and they were in their fifties and the clinic, I talked to the clinic and the clinic was like, every day he comes in to get sub Q fluids and this cat is like, you know, a, a pickle. And right. Like, we just with we just want him to euthanize him. So so I go to his home, and his wife has early onset Alzheimer's, and he said she is going to, like, be horrible if this cat is euthanized, like, and dies. Period. So he's like, but I can't euthanize it because she's going to spin off the end. So I said, let's just do palliative care, and then you know, and and try to hasten death a little bit. And so. Um, but I think we just, you know, the clinic didn't realize yeah. why he was holding on. It yeah. was because of his wife. So anyway, they're, the stories and 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 just oh, the yeah. reality of life. Yeah. We have to remember all four budgets. So it's the financial, the time, the physical, and the emotional budget. And if any one of those is up for a family, I help them say goodbye. Even if I would, if I could lift the Sheltie, doesn't matter. She can't. Right. You know that is. I mean, I love the way that you frame that and. I do think judgment comes in a lot in these appointments. Um, And it's so easy. You know, it doesn't make you a bad person if you're having a horrifically busy day. Like you have three emergencies that are on their way in and you're in the room and the woman's like, I can't lift my 20 pound Sheltie. (laughs) Like it is not, it doesn't make you a bad person not to have asked why or, you know, feel like, like you would do this for that dog. Why can't she? But taking it to that next level by asking and- getting to the bottom of it um, doesn't have to take a lot of time and it could totally change the outcome of what you do for that pet. Yeah. You got to build a connection. Yeah. And so asking questions in non-judgmental way, like tell me more about what's going on at home. Yeah. And if they're like, listen, we're in the middle of a divorce and I I can't like, and they don't have to share these things. But I think when you ask in a kind, non-judgmental way, people will share. Yeah. And, uh, and it's very powerful. And then when you, when you're able to flip that switch and say, okay, I understand, like uh, I'm here to help support you, whatever that means. Yeah. 
then they probably will make the best decision for them, whatever that is. Yeah. So we're talking about, you know, uh, people who have brought their pets in, yeah. um, people who, you know, know that their senior pet needs care, whether or not it's care that they can help provide. And you had mentioned before that the in your in your research, you found that so many of the pets that you go to their homes to euthanize have not actually been to a vet in the last year to, yeah. s- to actually and, receive treatment. And that's not actually lap of love. This is, oh. I worked with a company called Vet Success and we uh, data analyzed uh, almost mm-hmm. a million pets that were euthanized in clinics across the country. Mm-hmm. And those were 50%. Uh, it's a little higher in cats and about 44% in dogs and 50 something percent oh, in cats. That's so many. It's so many a year so before many. they die. And that's like a big year. That's yeah. the last 10% of many of their lifetimes, right? Or, yeah. you know, 8%. Yeah. And we can help so much. So that's, so it's not just our lap of love data. It's actually mm-hmm. clinic data. And there's so many things that we could do that, that, isn't difficult. That isn't hard. And I think a lot of people have a misconception that all we're going to do is want to do blood work and x-rays yeah. and and fecal exams. And yet the dog hasn't left the house in, you know, two years. Yeah. Or judge them, right? For the way or that pet ju- looks. Like they're scruffy oh. old little white dog with no I, hair, you know. I love those. I know. And I love it even more when they come in with like we had this older gentleman that came in, he wore suspenders and he had this white, um, this little white dog that used to be fluffy, you know, that would like run in next to him on the leash. And they were so attached. And like, I remember that was in 2010, I think. Oh, and I and still you remember, remember that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how can we, how can we get these pets in and, and uh, can we use storytelling to, yes. to get more of these pets into the, to the clinic before it's. The yes. End? Okay. So I, one of the things I preach so much when I'm lecturing is about just websites because they're not coming in. So they're not going to get your information when you get there. So you can have all these beautiful brochures in your clinic, but if you don't have content on your website and I want, I, I challenge everybody to go look at their websites and tell me what their senior or geriatric pages are about. And if it just says like, we recommend coming in for twice, you know, yearly exams for blah, 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 which is, which is great. And we recommend mm-hmm. that in our guidelines. But if that's all we talk about, it's not going to bring people in. We have to, we have to hit the whys. So why is somebody searching? They're not just sitting there searching because they're, oh, I think it's time for Fluffy's exam. They're searching because their dog has mobility issues. Their cat has incontinence. Their dog is crying at night and panting and pacing. So we have to get like the top 10 things that are affecting our, our senior pets and write a whole big, you know, a whole big story about them and, and management tools and products to recommend. And why should they come in to see you? Right. Cause if they've got their immobile dog that could barely get up. Talk about yeah. how helpful pain management can be. And with stories, people rem- will remember data 22 times more when you wrap it around a story. And so what's great is every single person listening has tons of stories. Oh yeah. And I promise you, you ask your families to send in videos or pictures, they will of their older pets. Like <laughs> yeah. I put a call out for my books and I, I had to stop it. It was, there was so many. So if you get a family member, if you say, Hey, Oh yeah, I, I heard you built Reggie a, a, a ramp at home. Can you send a video of him going up the stairs? Oh yeah. Okay. And so have Reggie's video on your, on your website with, with ramp information, how to ramp train a dog, like these things. So I, I, I think we could do so much on websites because people are searching. 
they're searching. We get all mad at Dr. Google, but the only thing Dr. Google is, is a page that has the content that they're looking for. So we yeah. need to have it. And it's so easy. And there, are, and I know veterinary clinics are, are busy. So there are companies out there. There are veterinarians that are no longer in practice, but they write. So you can find people to write. There are technicians that could write this. They're great to do this too. Yeah. So I think it's so much more than just saying you need to come in twice a year. So we can uncover all the problems you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you're so right. Because I wouldn't go in, you know, and no. I own, I have two senior pets right now that own yeah. me, you know, and oh, they, yeah. but I, I don't want to bring them in if I don't need to. Right. Why would I? And also you need to make this a connection with them. And so if I look at a, if I look at a company's website and almost, and almost all websites are like this veterinary clinics, it's all puppies and kittens and adult pets. That's all that I see. I don't see an old, you know, sunken in skull and a, and a, and a scrawny cat. They're all like hell, like the the beautiful old dogs and cats that we see 30%, 30% of pets uh, on the website should be old. And because if I'm looking for a, for a veterinarian that's going to, that's going to understand my, my problems and my plights, I'm not going to pick the one that's got puppies and kittens, right? So right. if I'm a, if I'm a senior human, am I going to go to the pediatrician? No, I'm going to go to a senior place. And 44% of our pets are double digits, 44%. So that's a why crazy don't we number have, to me. It's crazy. So why don't we have content? And you know what? Next time when people are at VMX or Western or any other conference, go look around the exhibit hall and all the pharmaceutical companies, all the people that are exhibiting, it's all young dogs and cats. Yeah. And that's, as you know, you say that. And I think I remember that guy with the suspenders, that older yeah. gentleman with the suspenders and his little white dog from 12 years ago. And yet the puppy and kitten visits for the most part kind of blend together. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of playing and it's a lot of joy, but it doesn't just like grab or hurt the same way, you know, so that you really remember that story, except in the cases where the the puppy and kitten maybe came to a family that had just lost a senior pet. And it was so happy for them. That is true. No, no, no. You're you're so right. I just, I want to encourage clinics to really adapt some of their marketing to, Mm -hmm. to the seniors. And yeah. not just scary, not just scary. Like, I also don't want to say, you know, I know we talked a lot about euthanasia. I don't want to, I don't want to almost marry the two together, although we, it is something we need to talk about, but yeah. we need to celebrate. I've got so many birthday videos and pictures from people. They're like, Maple just had her 16th birthday. Here's her picture with her party hat on. Like, oh, I love that. Put that on the website, right? Like, it's yeah. great. Here at AHA, we're proud of our guidelines, but we know what it's really like to be in practice. We know, for example, that maybe you read the guidelines, but your colleague doesn't, or you read the guidelines, but the doctor you're working with doesn't, or you might want to present what you learned in the guidelines at a team meeting, but team meetings, am I right? Well, our free implementation toolkits are designed to give your team the tools they need to adapt the guidelines to your unique practice. Check out our tips for technicians and CSRs, handy charts and infographics, and downloadable pet owner pages. You'll also find links to podcast episodes, a quiz, and other related resources that can help your team do what only they can do. Bring the AHA guidelines to life in your practice. To download our free pain management toolkit supported by Zoetis, go to aha.org pain management and click toolkit. And be on the lookout for canine vaccination, working dog, and senior care toolkits coming very soon. Okay, so we're talking about all of the you know, the things that really 
tug your heartstrings when you're scrolling through social media. Um, I don't know if you follow the site We Rate Dogs. Oh, no. Oh, it's so cute. You know, people send in their pictures and then they rate them. And it's always like more than 10 out of 10, you know, because they're just the cutest thing. But the ones that I feel like are always the most popular, the the gray muzzles and the... Yes. It's um, so true. Like, we, people don't think that, but you know, marketing yeah. people don't think that, but, but it is true. And yeah, yeah. we all say, oh, when you see an old dog or cat, right? And that's pulling on your heartstrings. So that's what you want. Yeah. So, and we know that our teams are looking at these pictures too and feeling the same pull, you know, mm-hmm. it's not just veterinarians sort of doling out these recommendations. It's the entire team gets really involved in these stories. And sometimes the team sees that pet more than the veterinarian does, sure. like those cats that show up for sub fluids, you know, three times a week or whatever. Um, so how can we, how can we better utilize the team in senior care? Oh my gosh. When I lecture on, on geriatrics and, and hospice too, the, the longest line of people after my lecture, cause there's always, you know, about 30 minutes of talk time you have to do after a lecture. Yeah. It's my longest line is, is with the technicians. They all want to be involved. They are yeah. like, how can I get more involved with, with hospice, with senior pets? Like they are, they're eating this stuff up. So ask, ask if you've got a rock star technician, make them the, you know, com- compassion care leader or whatever it may be. And whether that's for the euthanasia or for making sure like, hey, Rusty's coming in and he's a 13 year old golden with mobility issues. Let's make sure he's in the closest room to the, you know, to the exit. Let's make sure there's bath mats or or yoga mats so he can walk, like really focus on how to make a, a clinic senior care friendly. And they're the best ones to do it. They also can have really good. You train them well and they want to know, trust me, have really good conversations with family about the care, about caregiver burden, about quality of life. There's no medicine in that. They don't have right. to be diagnosing or doing medicine. It is a conversation that that so many technicians can be beautiful at. And then lastly, the frontline, the support staff at, at, in the front, they need to be trained on how to answer questions that come in and also end of life questions. So when the, a, a family's calling in for a euthanasia, I've, I've heard recordings that are absolutely horrific. And this is lately still, right? I've been preaching this for over a decade. And lately they stumble on how to answer a question of a family. And they may even get the question, how will I know his time? The, the worst thing you can do as a, as a, as a receptionist is to say, don't worry, you'll know. They don't know they're calling you. That's why they, right. <laughs> Or, right. well, you know, if he stops eating or stops wagging his tail, like, no, no, that that's not actually what you should say. So yeah. training them on the on these hard questions or or know what the process is. If, if a caller is coming in with that, who does it go to? Um, and, uh, and, and not just stumbling over the euthanasia calls. So there's, there's, and oh, even our, even our support staff in, in the kennel, you've got a senior pet staying there. There is a lot that we can do to help those guys. And, and it is, it is very scary if you've got a senior geriatric pet to leave them at a clinic for boarding or yes. for a day. It's really bad. If I had a million dollars, I would absolutely open my own senior care boarding mm. facility, right? Because they- That'd know, be the cutest the, place on earth. <laughs> on earth. And people yeah. would pay double to stay there because yeah. <laughs> I've got, you know, I know I have to give medications. They're going to have anxiety. They're, you know, they can't be in a, in a, in a run that doesn't have- proper footing. The walk has to be slower. So even the kennel staff could be so involved and, Mm -hmm. you know, send a video of Rusty going outside for his walk and get in love. Like that's what I want to see as a, as a pet parent. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, our, our clinic that I worked at last didn't have boarding, but we yeah. had, you know, senior pets stay with us all the time for the day for procedures or whatever. And, um, those were some of the most beautiful photos that I've ever taken or just, you know, one of the technicians leading little, little tiny dachshund, you know, this far off the ground with his gray muzzle, like out to potty in the lawn after his dental. Yes. And we could all as, as veterinary teams, be using that power so much more like on social yes. media, as you say, yes. on our website, we don't always have to post the picture of the puppy visit. We can, po- no. we can post the senior birthday. Oh my gosh. The senior birthday, or look at your example that you just said, right? So here's yeah. this ch- little chihuahua, uh, or is it a dachshund? Can't remember. Little guy, I'm, right? I'm picturing this dachshund. Yeah. Okay. He, See, yeah. you, you have it. He was, that. he was eating, uh, in the gazebo, they took him out to the gazebo to have his snack for his oh bile acids test is what I, the one I'm thinking Oh, it's the bile acid test. I love yeah, it. Yeah, but imagine you eat. have a chihuahua that's just woken up or, you know, from having a dental and he's going out for his walk. Take a picture and then share that this 16-year-old geriatric chihuahua had his dental and here he is in recovery because so many people yeah. are scared of anesthesia and we yeah. cover that in our guidelines. You know, and so they're not going to be doing things like, like a dental uh, cleaning or extractions or whatever else, you know, show the dog eating with no teeth that he yeah. can still eat with no teeth. Right. Yeah. Like, like, so, oh my gosh, I would go nuts. Like I would love to work at a place if that is only senior geriatrics. Yeah. Listen, yeah, tell yeah. me if anybody's out there that that's all they do, I might need to send my resume there. Oh, you know, I would <laughs> want to hear about that. Yeah. If there is anybody listening who works at a practice or knows of a practice where it's Strictly senior care. Yes. Like you can't bring your pet there until they're seven until or whatever. Right, exactly. I, I would want to know this just because I think that we could learn so much from that practice. You know, it's like 100%. cat only practices, totally different yep. environment. Um, okay. So what do you think um, we could be doing differently in terms of uh, valuing the work that our teams do? Like what are teams already doing that we consistently undervalue and should really bring to the forefront and reward in terms of senior care. Oh my care. gosh. That's, you know, that's, that's such a deep question. I, you know, <laughs> I, 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 lo- I love this. I think it is the little things, you know, if you see, yeah. if you see somebody taking the time to, to, to walk slower with that pet, or if you yeah. see somebody that, that, you know, d- did you know that like the, the number one smell of a pet that, that lights their pleasure center of their brain is the smell of their owner. So if you oh. see a technician or a front desk say, Hey, you know, do you have a t-shirt? Bring a t-shirt. I'll make sure it stays in the cage with them, right? Like if you see them be better at at post-operative care, because that's where the danger is, is post-operative care. Like yeah. highlight that and share that story and say, hey, Dr. Katie, you know, did, did this with this pet, but here's the technician, you know, Jack, and this is what he did. And now we have a successful, you know, uh, uh, share the success stories and why we don't have problems with anesthesia and, and things like that. Um, and you know, and, and who's, who's doing gentle handling. These guys are brittle. They're, they're brittle. Yeah. We're taking blood and it's, and I, I see them getting held. So like, like rough as you know, for, for a five-year-old dog, it's not a big deal, but that's a 13 year old dog. And that's a big deal. Yeah. And we're just holding them down. So like really, uh, you know, there are the the rock stars out there and highlight that because that's then everybody's going to want to do those things because they want to get their own you know highlight also yeah so i think um i think there are so many hidden treasures in our in our clinic and we're just overwhelmed with what's going on and you know we all know that focusing on the positive is a good thing it's just it's hard when you got a lot of negative 
It is. Yeah. And um, I, I'm just a little off topic. Yeah. That's how we roll, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm reading this book. It's actually, uh, it's called Bittersweet by oh. Susan Cain. And she wrote, um, she wrote the book about introverts called Quiet. So she's a researcher. Um, it's a great book. And it talks about how it, the subtitle is How Sorrow and Longing Make Us Whole. And so it talks about basically how we, it, it takes both sides of life, right? It takes yes. the bitter in order to make the sweet sweeter. And there's so much bittersweet about these senior pet appointments, even when they're in fine shape, right? Because 100%. there's that anticipatory grief that you know mm -hmm. is just hovering in the owner's mind that one day it's going to be the end. I mean, I feel that every time I sit here with Frank on my lap, I'm like one day he's not going to be on my lap, you know? Right. And, I'm not, and he's not going to do his little, his little snore, his yeah. sweet little snore. I love it. Yeah. And we talk about that in the guidelines about, um, you know, the, the, the healthy senior pet exam mm -hmm. and, yeah. and what we should be doing. And it is bittersweet. Like I, I, it, and I don't, I don't think a lot of people appreciate anticipatory grief or even know about it and, in it until you're in it. Right. Yeah. And we all, you know, I was just talking to somebody yesterday and he, and he said, he's like, Oh, when I saw my Weimaraner's nose, his, his nose not be so, so black like that, it was starting to lose its pigment. He's like, I just got really sad because I knew that he was getting older. Just the, lo the losing of the pigment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like me yeah. with my grays. I'm sad. Yeah, right. Like the passage of time suddenly the seems passage, so exactly. you're so aware of it. And oh, senior... I found a gray eyebrow the hair the other oh. day, and I flipped oh, no. out. It's no longer yeah, with yeah. me. Pluck that sucker. <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, I yeah that that acute awareness of the passage of time. I feel like is something that senior pets can really teach us mm. to. Um, appreciate rather than fear because we know that they're only with us for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Um, listen, that's, that's why I named my book. It's never long enough because it yes. is not, I need, I need at least 40 years, Frank, for sure. Another whatever yeah. double. Yeah. He is for sure. And I think, uh, that's why I love bucket lists. So many people think that they're silly, but yeah. oh my gosh. But who doesn't amazing. remember that Subaru commercial, right? Right. We all do. I have, I have, um, this one wonderful uh, bucket list uh, from from a family, and so it was uh, it was Edie's Edie's bucket list, and she had having a steak dinner with Dad, finding a new parks, all this stuff, riding a fire truck, and they took pictures of her doing every single one of those things, and to see her face, her like hazy eyes, old hazy eye, and scrawny little head in the fire truck with all these like hot fire, oh. it was the best. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were all over her, right? So, oh my gosh, it was, it was so sweet, and I show it during my lectures because it's just amazing. And now they'll always have those things. And yeah. I always say, when you do a bucket list, what's great is that it you, it doesn't make you not sad when they leave, but what it does is it it takes away some of the regret that you didn't do X Y Z with them. Yes. Right. It makes you acutely aware of the things that you want to do before the end. So you know, take one more one more camping trip. One more, yeah. you know, whatever, get a new scratching post and see him get excited, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. In this book, she talks about how a lot of the sadness when we lose somebody is not just the loss because you've been preparing for that, maybe. Um, at least in the case of senior care, a lot of times it's a long, gradual decline and not something sudden. But it's also the thought that once what once was will never be again. Yeah. You won't ever get those chances again. And just taking a minute to talk about that when you're in the room with, 
with people, you know, like, what can we, what do you want to do with him that we can help you do? Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. Would be a we really can help fun you conversation. Yeah. That's so fun. I love that. Right. Cause yeah. If like, what are your goals? Mentioned. Right. What goals of goal, not only goals of care, cause I talk so much about goals of care, yeah. um, but like goals of fun. Right. Yeah. Like, like, okay, you want to go on a trip and we need to make sure that he feels good. He's not anxious. Like, let me help prepare that for you. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh my gosh. That is so cool. And I think people get into it. That's during my hospice talks. I, I will always have a conversation about, about that. And, and I think we could, we should be doing that way sooner. We see yeah. them way too late at Lapa Love. Yeah. That's it. Everybody wants to know what they could do. Like, I'm like, get them in to see you before they see us. Yeah. And that's what, that's, to start what we started with. That's what makes me sad. Yeah. I'm doing a bucket list on a dog that's got a week left. Like that's not yeah. fun. I want yeah, to do it. No. I want to have a year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Well, these senior guidelines, you know, I, that's, we've been talking about so much that's not strictly medicine, right? Like yeah. what can you do to make your practice more attractive and more inviting to senior pet owners? What can you do to maximize that appointment? Because when we feel sad after a senior pet appointment, it's not because we didn't know what tests to run most of the time, yep. right? It's it's because some one of those things maybe didn't go. Let my old man must get on the floor. I love it. So you, <laughs> He's need record, a, you need to record your old man snoring just so you have it. Like, I, I know. I was just thinking <clears throat> right? that. Like I have all these videos on my phone and I'm never getting rid of them, right? Never. Like the no. extra iPhone storage just for the dog videos. Yes. But – um, and I'm sure I'm one of a billion people who have bought You're extra iPhone one. storage for that. Yeah. hundred um, percent. But the, uh, the, you know, the guidelines are so worth checking out because yes. they include so much of this as well as the medicine, which mm-hmm. is, you know, you, you'd have a hard time figuring out what's the most important aspect of senior care because it's such a holistic thing when it's done it, well. It really is. And I think, uh, it, n- none of them, right? Is one one is not more important than the other. It is. It's a combination. I think what's also important to know is that just because we can doesn't mean we should. Oh yeah. And a lot of times we get upset, maybe because we want to do X, we want to do certain diagnostics, we want to do certain medications or, or treatment options, and for whatever reason, the family may not be able to. Whatever those reasons are. So okay, yeah. but we could still do palliative care. And we talk right. about that, right? So we can still do palliative care. What's interesting is me, my for my own pets, I, I actually, I'm the, everybody thinks because I'm a hospice veterinarian that I don't do stuff, that I just do palliative care. Yeah. I'm quite the opposite with my own pets. They get everything. So <laughs> I, uh, my dog had spinal lymphoma and uh, I, she had radiation, she had chemo, she, she got everything, uh, rehab. And so many of my colleagues were like, you're, re- you're, you're really doing chemo? You're really doing that? And I'm like, if I get two extra months, yes, I'm going to do that. It, I'm very good at knowing her quality of life and I'm not – Right. She's she's happy at a clinic. She makes friends with everybody. My other dog who's who's anxiety dog, he better not get sick because he's he's too anxious at a vet clinic, right? Yeah, so that's I would him. Never, <laughs> yeah, so I would it's never frank. do that. And that's why it's very important to know the pet's personality too. For sure. And what can they handle? Especially as they get older, they change their attitude. And if they're not good during certain things, then – then I don't want to stress them out and break that human animal bond. I don't want to be chasing them for so much drugs and they're going to have anticipatory drugs, you know, that the pet yeah. knows the pet, the owner's coming really comes down to do not judge. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's, that's pretty key in everything in life is do not judge because we are yeah. not walking in everybody's shoes. 
Um, I, which is why I, I, I think we all want to make sure that there's no pain or anxiety. Yeah. So if we could really co- come to a common ground with the family, right. And just say, listen, I, you know, we, I'm okay if you don't want to do X, Y, Z, but wouldn't you agree that we want to make sure that Max is not painful or he doesn't have any anxiety? Nobody's going to say no. Right. Nobody's going to say, uh, no, Dr. Berlin, I don't think that's, I think pain is okay. Right. I actually right. want him to suffer. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. Nobody's and, ever said that. Nobody's right. Said no one. Right. So you right. say, wouldn't you agree that we want to make sure it's the, wouldn't you agree is like the best Jedi mind trick. Yeah. And then they're going to say, you know, yes. Okay. Well, to ensure that here's what we need to do because we don't have to do every treatment option. We don't have to do all the medicine, but we want to help them with their pain yeah. and anxiety. Yeah. Just like us as we get older, you know? There's another great book, um, When Breath Becomes Air. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. Such an So this has become book. book club episode. And oh. we're going <laughs> to put links to Sorry. these books as well as Dr. Mary's two oh. recently released books, which are amazing and beautiful and long, oh. long overdue, I think, for people. Oh, thank um, you. Great resources. But yeah, I love that book. Sorry. Yeah, it's really good. And it's, just, and it's basically about like not... That's not just about this, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's, it's a doctor who gets cancer himself and just Mm -hmm. his decisions not to do certain treatment. So yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. So, okay. We've talked, we've talked a lot about all the different aspects of senior care, including what happens when it's getting near the end and including when people can't stop thinking about the end, even if it's not close, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm raising my hand, Uh, um, (laughs) just part of life, uh, and but and ways that we can celebrate the team and show that the team can be an integral part of senior care. I love when you said you could have one person on the team maybe be like the the champion for senior care because we have these certificate programs coming out now at AHA, um, which are called champion certificates. <gasps> and so um, we will have one for senior care at some point. So that will mean that you can be a senior care champion um, and really own that role in your practice, no I matter what that. your job is. Um, yes. Yeah. And oh, I'm really so excited. I want, a, that. I want that certificate. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we, you might be helping write it. Who knows? Okay. <laughs> Stay tuned. I want to get grandfathered in. <laughs> um, but uh, but I, I just love that because senior pets deserve it. They deserve a champion at your practice, yes. at every practice, like at Home Depot, at oh. PetSmart, like wherever they go, they deserve somebody to be in their corner cheering for totally. them because they're the best and they have nothing but love. Um, and it's an uncomplicated love and that's, yes. that's the best kind. Okay. So to close out, Dr. Mary, I have one more question for you. Okay. Um, what is one thing that anybody listening no matter their role in the practice, could do differently when they go into work tomorrow when it comes to senior care? You know, I think, I think there's, there's, for me, it's about compassion. You know, so many people, so many people ask me to do talks on compassion fatigue. And I say, I can't do that because I don't have compassion fatigue. I have compassion overload. Like that's, that's, you know, I, yeah. I, I just don't have that. Do I have drive fatigue? Yes. Do I have, you know, partner fatigue? Yes. Do I have, you know, uh, spouse yeah. and fatigue is what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Do I have, you know, whatever. Family fatigue? Yes. So um, so for me, uh, you know, compassion has a couple of ingredients. And, and the first one is recognition of the suffering that, that I see. The second is wanting to change that. The third is not being attached to the outcome. And I think it's really important for us not to get so attached to the outcome because that will bring us compassion fatigue. And 
when it comes to a euthanasia, what everybody can remember tomorrow for the next euthanasia that they do, that they may not be in charge of why they're euthanizing, but they can be in charge of how. And if you do that well, you will pillow your head at night. And that's what I, I encourage everybody to do is improve one thing in their euthanasia protocol, whether it's what they say from the entrance or with the exit to sedation protocol to whatever it may be. And I promise you, the euthanasias will be better each time. I love that. Uh, I, that's so profound, not being attached to the outcome. Yeah. Because it's so easy to get personally involved. And that's why we're good at what we do, because it feels so personal. And at the same time, it's I not guess. our decision to make. I Yeah. And I'm going to butcher her, her, her quote, but um, uh, Megan Bergier, the, the wonderful technician, she's, she's a speaker too. So she says, I cannot shoulder the responsibility of all the animals in the world, right? Like something like yeah. that. And she said it once and I'm like, oh, that was genius because we can't, like, it is not my responsibility to do that. And it's hard because we love them all and we don't want them to suffer, but we will suffer and we won't be able to continue work if we if we do become attached to these outcomes. Yeah. And a euthanasia done beautifully is uh, a guarantee of no suffering. It's yeah, it's a guarantee of no suffering. And you know, I leave a euthanasia and I'm like, I rocked it. I did a great job. Like I could be crying, you know, yeah. but but I still leave there feeling very fulfilled in what I do because I know I did a great job. I don't always do a great job. I put my foot in my mouth, I say something, I can't find a vein, I, you know, whatever. But when I do a good job, I'm happy because I know I gave the family the best experience ever and I get the best hugs. Dr. Mary Gardner, thank you so much. Oh. This was so fun. And I um it went I, fast. I could talk to you about gray muzzles all day. All day. Um, and I'm sure you do talk about them all day. Um, but we will definitely put links to your two um, newest books. Thank it's you. never long enough um, for senior dog people. Yep. And nine lives are not enough uh, because we can't forget about the kitties. Never. And um, we'll put links to those in the show notes. And um, as well as more information about Lap of Love, because everybody should know what it's like to be able to say goodbye um, in their own home. You know, it's mm -hmm. the most peaceful thing in the world. So uh, I really, really appreciate you coming on, spending your time and everything that you do. Yes. Thanks for having me. And thanks, uh, you know, inviting me onto the onto the committee. It was great. It was a lot of fun working with uh, with all the committee members. Yeah. So check out the guidelines, the um, 2023 AHA ah. Senior Care Guidelines, <laughs> um, which are going to be out uh, when this episode airs. And they're going to be at aha.org slash senior dash care. Thank you all for listening. And we'll catch you next time on Central Line. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Central Line, the AHA podcast. If you love what you hear, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. For more resources to help you simplify your journey towards excellence in veterinary medicine, we invite you to visit aha.org. That's A-A-H-A dot O-R-G.